Good morning. Yeah. Hey, that's the way. Uh, did everyone get the handout string of pearls as you came in? If you did not, please hold up your hand. And yeah, somebody help me here to pass these out. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. So important today. And I would like you to, if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians is the order. Uh, It's interesting, a few years ago, I've never watched a whole Oprah show, but for some random reason, uh, I had it on for 10 minutes, and she was uh, interacting with the audience, and uh, she had this lady stand up, and she said, who are you with? And she said, my Bible study group, I'm the Bible study teacher. And Oprah said, name the books of the Bible. And she couldn't. And you know what? It struck me like a bomb to my heart. And I say, Lord, (laughs) you know, put on the spot. Could I at least do the New Testament? So we need to know our book. This is our book. This is our life. These are the words of life. And we should be crazy over the top, passionate for it. And God has something so radical for you this, this, uh, this semester with this book. It's a treasure. Uh, but it's a treasure that must live inside of you, not just outside of you. And uh, maybe you're not familiar. You go, what, what's in here? What, what is a Colossian? And um, I pray that the end of these short 10 weeks, that you'll just, you'll just have uh, like tattoos um, on your heart, of course, <laughs> that would have some of the, the, the key big moments emblazed in your heart. So let's open with reading just the first few verses. Paul, he identifies himself. He holds the pen as this book was written. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Who's it written to? To the saints. Um, That's us. To the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. So we hear that, that Colossae isn't a thing, it's a place. So the Colossians are the people that lived in that place, in that city called Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm, that's a great place to start. That's a great place to start. That's a great place to start with the grace of God, not just for you, but to you. And maybe you're thinking in the, in the inner part of your heart, create some peace. That's not where I live. That's not the house where I'm going home to today. That's not my atmosphere inside or out of me. And so may it be distinctly aimed at you. Right this very moment, grace and peace from God Almighty. May he triumph over your soul. May he be the king of kings for you in that area, in that area of your life. I'm going to be honest to you, so honest to you. I, I, I loved this fasting and prayer week that we had two weeks ago. I loved it. I, I, some days I hated it. Um... Um, just for moments, 
But um, I, I really was more committed to it this year than ever before. And I had such high expectations from it. And I went to five of the Bibles, the, not the Bible says, the prayer meetings that were held at random times here in the church. And again, I'll be honest with you. It was overwhelming. People came to those little circles and they weren't pay, playing, praying little surface prayers. There was crying in that room. People were weeping over, over broken lives, over prodigal sons, over the devastation that they were experiencing in their own circle of, of, of influence and in their own families. And, and uh, I loved praying. I loved praying over such deep things, but it ended my, my, my week with a really cool, inside clear picture of what's going on out there. And I was heavy hearted, very heavy hearted. You know, as, as we look around, even those people that are not Christians have labeled this generation is the generation of hopelessness and confusion. It's true. If you're in high school, if you're a teenager right now, that's how you will be labeled. As a Gen Z, I think they're calling them hopelessness and confusion. And the society rate is just escalating off the charts. Child of God, we need an anchor for our souls. We need to be fired up. Absolutely fired up. And when I started reading Colossians, and I started reading a couple weeks ago and read it, the whole book, and read it, the whole book and started writing it out as you're instructed to do in your Bible study and praying it back. It's just been shaking me up. And I had one heart's desire starting in December. I couldn't wait for January 1st because in December 1st, I started calling 2020 my God year. My God year like nothing else. And I had one passion that was just stoking and stoking and stoking. God, I want you to be on the throne of me. I don't want to chart my own waters. I don't want to make my own course. I want you to be king on the throne in me. God Almighty, the God who moves mountains and parts Red Sea, do that in my life. I want to see supernatural. I want to watch you work. God, you've not changed I want to see you do what can't be done by human effort in, in, in my life, in my world. And I'm praying that over you, that this will be a life-changing year for you. I brought this morning one of my favorite signs. It says it's a good day to have a good day. The problem with this, I bought it at Hobby Lobby. The problem is that, that they don't last long at my house. Uh, people want them. When they're at my house. <laughs> so I have to keep going back to Hobby Lobby and buying them more. Because you know what? It, it's a mantra we should have. It's a, when we wake up, it's a good day to have a good day because God's on the throne. Right? Amen. My disappointment and other people's decisions, they're not the boss of me. And we need to make some decisions. And this is be a good day. To decide to have a good day. And not only that, this is a good year. To have a God year. And we need to, to settle such things. And just say, God, you be God in me. 
I want to watch you work. That is a great place to start. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul, you know, just that word saying his name. He is one of my big heroes. But when we first meet him in Acts chapter 8, he's a bad guy. He's hard-hearted. He's mean-spirited. And he had religion up to his eyeballs. He had kind of that, that impression that some people in their religious life have a view of what God's going to do for them. They view their life as like a, a lawn, like their front lawn. And they view God's role is to fill in the patches and pull a few weeds and keep you trimmed. And you know what? Nothing could be further from the truth. God has no intention of you being a green, grassy lawn. No. He wants to plow you up. Plow you up and replant you. He's interested in fruit, not grass. Fruit. He's going to plant trees in you and tomatoes in you and things that multiply and give life to others. That's his intention. So, so fasten your seatbelts. God's a plowing God because he has divine purpose for you. Paul the apostle, oh, he's living proof of that. Absolutely. He's living proof of what he's going to do. So, so as we start this, this, um, Bible study in this, this book, which really wasn't a book, uh, in its origin, it was a, um, a letter. It was a letter, and Paul her, held the pen, as we know, and, and put the, the pen to paper. But it's written by the Holy Spirit. Because how do we know that? Because God says that all Scripture is God-breathed. And he held the pen, and God did the dictation of what to write in this story. So... My job this morning is kind of the previews of coming event to give you the big picture. Um, my husband, he, he loves to go to the movies. And uh, the sad part is that we can't go very often because there's nothing out there that we want to be, be caught sitting in the theater watching, you know. And so when we do find a good movie, he chooses and I go, but I have one criteria. You can choose. And we always agree. You can choose, but we can't be late. We can't be 30 seconds late. I want to be in my seat the minute they start the previews. I want to see every preview. I want them to be 10 of them. And I sort them out. Even though they match the the previews to the kind of movie we're now watching, about half of them I have no interest. That's nonsense. That's stupid. But then there's some, there's some, like that Harriet movie. Have you heard about that Harriet movie? Oh, my goodness. Everyone raise their hands. It needs to go. You need to go see that movie. This is the storyline. It's about a very skinny, little, short, black woman. And she was a slave. And by radical, just sheer determination and a confidence in God, she escaped. It's a radical story. But then when she escaped and made it to safety... She said, I've got to go back. And she went back 
and rescued a big handful of, of other people that were slaves and brought them to freedom. That wasn't enough for her. She went back and she went back and she rescued hundreds, hundreds of people from slavery. And I'm watching her and you go, I want to be her Harriet. I want to be Harriet. I want to be Harriet. I want to do that. I want to live my life with purpose, rescuing people out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. And and it challenged you. So previews of coming events. That's what we're going to look at um, this morning. So Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Again, he wasn't writing a book. He was writing a letter. He speaks to these people in this letter about the power and the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. Most likely, Paul had been a Christian for approximately 25 years now. And in that 25 years, for the cause of Christ, he had been beaten up. He had been stoned. I don't know what that, that really looked like, but it would be ugly and painful. He was shipwrecked. He was falsely accused. He was abandoned by some and betrayed by others. He's now, as he writes this letter, he's probably sitting in a cold, narrow prison cell with just the clothes on his back and no money in the bank. He's probably now in his 60s or 70s. He has no idea if he'll ever be released from this prison. And in 2 Corinthians 12, we learned that he had some kind of thorn in the flesh, some kind of thing that weakened him physically or, or in his abilities, so made him less than he could be if he didn't have that one thing. And therefore, it just caused him to shift hard into the strength of the Lord himself. And what was that? And, and don't we all have something? Don't we all have something? That sure we, we sure do wish it wasn't part of our life. And maybe it was his eyes. His eyes were failing. Some people think it was that. Maybe he had arthritis as he got older and sat in the cold and couldn't write as well as he, he did before. Maybe he had a speech impediment. I was diagnosed when I was um, 10 with a speech impediment. And they sent me to classes and then they dismissed me as uncurable. That's why I stumble over my words sometimes. Duh. It's okay. Um, Some people think that's physical, but um, I personally think it went deeper than that. I mean, you can beat up my body, but it's when my heart hurts, that's my thorn in the flesh. When there's somebody I love that I'm estranged from, that there's somebody I love that's hurting and I can't fix them. That's the thorn in my flesh. And I think for us as women, that's what gets to us most. And child of God, that's when we must rely upon him most. Put our hopes in him. And Paul did. In this letter and in this introduction, we do see the things that he did know, that he did have. Number one, he knew that he had a calling on his life. That as an apostle, 
And an apostle, when you look at the list of spiritual gifts, it's one of the spiritual gifts. But most experts believe that that was a temporary gift given to that foundational time. But the others, the other gifts remain like helps and mercy and giving and serving and teaching. All those things are spiritual gift. He knew that he had a spiritual God, a gift, and he knew with unshakable confidence that it was God's will that he had such a gift. And, and that God himself had the authority to apply that gift as he will. And number three, he knew that he had a job, a spiritual task to fill. And I want to look at you. Do you know that? Do you know that you're not a random piece of uh, a person on this planet? God has a divine destiny for you to walk in it. And, and number four, as we, especially as we read the last chapter, the last bit of the fourth chapter of this book, he has a whole big list of people. That he wasted precious Bible time on random unknown people. Absolutely. Because for God, that's the treasure. That's the treasure. It's people. And Paul had friends. Not just casual friends. Not just casual church friends. Hi, how are you? And and what's your name? And then we forget it two minutes later what their name was. His life was woven with these people. He considered them joint heirs of Christ and co-labors in the kingdom. And I believe that God wants to do that in your groups. I love groups. I love groups. I moved to this, to back to California from Oregon over 30 years ago. And, uh, the first thing we did was found a church and it was Calvary Chapel Vista. And, um, I, I was, I was tragically unhappy about moving from Oregon, California. I viewed it as Sodom and Gomorrah. And I thought, I, 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 I whined to God, well, I will never have a thoroughly spiritual Christian friend again. And you'll never use me in California. But I came to Bible study anyway. <laughs> and some of the ladies I met that very first night of Bible study uh, are my dear friends still and yet to this very day. Let your heart be woven with people. Bury, bear one another burdens. It's a good thing. And Paul lived that experience. Paul knew what his spiritual gift was. And I encourage you, ask God what your spiritual gift is. I was thinking about this and I wrote in the margins, God, what is my spiritual gift? Well, one of my spiritual gifts is exhortation. And and what's the definition of that? Well, somebody gave me the definition. It's a swift kick and hug. I can do that, right? Swift kick and a hug. Also, um, um, surprisingly, I believe God's given me the, the gift of leading. And sometimes he uses me in that. And I thought, why did you do that? You know, I, I, I don't look like a leader or anything. You're supposed to be tall and strong. And, um, and the Lord said, you're not afraid of anything. You'll go anywhere and do anything. And then you t- turn to people and say, you want to go? And lots of times people do. 
And, and so God packages spiritual gifts in, in random ways because he's God. And he can do that. Never underestimate, again, what God wants to do with your, with your life. So, so why would, um, why would God take such a man of God with such gifting and such a mighty intellect and confine him to jail? Colossians is one of the four, uh, prison epistles, which would include Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. So why did he? It was a letter. Poor Paul. I'm sure that he would have loved to have gone. He had heard about these people in Colossae, but he had never been there. It wasn't one of the big cities that he had visited in times past. In fact, Colossae was a very small town at this time. It had been more prosperous in times past, but the trade route had been rerouted, and now it was kind of off the beaten path, and it was a declining city. And... In that region, there was earthquakes sometimes, so maybe that's why they rerouted it to around. So he had never really visited there, like some of the big cities. And, and so why couldn't he? Why was he limited in his ske- schedule? And, and that's a big, in a, if you have your pen in hand, would you write in the margins the word, why? Write in the margins, Why? Because I believe that that's one of the, the questions that can break us. They can, it can totally break us. Why? That's a painful question. And, and, and I believe that God wants us to press into that this morning in this introduction. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 gives us a prayer that you'll be studying this weekend. It's a powerful prayer. And it's a prayer that he prayed. I prayed that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, full of good fruit and increasing in your knowledge of God. And Denise is going to unpack it for you this week, but this week as you study it, write it out and pray it for yourself, pray it for others. But let's apply that part of it, that we would be filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Because sometimes we can look at life and we go, I don't get it. Why? I don't get it. When we pray that prayer, God will give us inside information to look below the surface of things. So why was Paul stuck in that prison? Let's look at a few reasons. That are fruitful. Number one. Sitting alone in a prison cell. You have time to pray. You ever run out of time to pray because you're busy? You're going fast and furious? Well, Paul used to go fast and furious. Not now. He's got time to pray. And on top of that, not just pray, but listen. And that's that's a part that we're sadly lacking, child of God. We need to listen to God. Don't just ask him questions and not listen to the answers. Sometimes his answers are not what you expect. He had time to study. 
He had the time, time to think and ask God questions of how things work and, and, and what's going on. And, and uh, I, I'm just, in my notes, <laughs> I have a big star. That is why I am passionate about encouraging women to develop a quiet time. To develop a holy of holies place where you have your pens, you have your paper, you have your Bible study, you have everything set up. So when you wake up in the morning, set your alarm and go there. Put first things first. Protect it like a lion. Have a quiet time. Write out this book. Pray it back. Pray and listen. So as we look at that, so as we look at that, again, this book was inspired by God, and as he listened, and you will discover in this book, he says things that he had no way of knowing. One of the things he says, that by Christ, all things were made, and all things are held together. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I think it's fascinating as I was thinking about it. Historically, at that point, they had not even thought about gravity. Just the simple thing of gravity. Gravity is a holding together. It is. And, and, and as he spoke of it, he had knowledge way below, beyond the physicists and the, the molecular scientists and all the superior knowledge that we have today. He knew it's Christ. Because scientists, even today, they know that gravity exists, but they don't know how. And this is the crazy thing about it. I was saying, what does gravity do? And I thought of our globe. And I thought, okay, how does fast does our globe spin around? What do you think? How fast does it spin around? Oh, I'll tell you. A thousand miles an hour. No reaction? Wow. A thousand miles an hour. And I'm standing here. My hair isn't even blowing. And not only that, not only that, does our, our earth spin around and travel around the sun, but our whole galaxy is traveling at the speed of 450,000 miles an hour. So how come I'm so stuck? And even on our planet, the North Pole, if I was standing on the North Pole, I think it would be maybe easier to stand up. But we're in California. We're stuck on the side of our planet. And we're stuck by Christ. All things are held together. That's a masterpiece. Number two, the written letter. Why is this a written letter? Well couple things. One thing is that he said so many deep things that if they just heard it, uh, they wouldn't get it. No. That's why we want you to write it out. So it'll stick in your brain cells. So you can think about it. Second thing is if they had have gotten it and hadn't written it down by lunchtime the next day, it'd be all gone. Just exactly like if you haven't written, made any notes tonight, t today, <laughs> by lunchtime tomorrow, you might forget it. 
but he, they had it in writing. And the third thing is really my favorite. If he had just given the messages verbally because he was free as a bird to travel like he would have liked to, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have this book. Galatians, I mean, Ephesians, Philippians. I couldn't live without Philippians. Couldn't live without Philippians. Or Colossians, you'll say, you never want to live the rest of your life without as soon as you discover these things. So, Colossians, what a fabulous, fabulous book. I have five minutes left. So we're going to look at your string of pearls as an intro. In that I sat, sat before the Lord, and I'm telling you to put, put a string of pearls on one sheet was painful. Because I wanted to give you five pages. But uh, limited it down, the string of pearls. And all I can say is we just briefly look a few of these scriptures to entice your appetite. Um, I thought of the story of William Randolph Hearst. Uh, of Hearst Castle fame. Uh, some of you have been there to Hearst Castle, monstrous, huge house on the ocean in Northern California. Did you know he was so rich that he had his own zoo? He had his own giraffes, plural. He had his own tigers, plural. He had his own elephant. He had 300 exotic animals. He was so rich. One day he was looking through pictures of, of paintings, and one was so magnificent, he called his staff together and he said, hey, that picture I must have. If you value your jobs, I want you to scour the world, find it for me, whatever the cost, buy it for me. I must have that picture. Three and a half months later, they came back to him, and he said, did you find it? And they said, yes. He said, did you buy it? And they said, no. He was furious. Why not? They said, sir, you own it. It's in your warehouse. Oh, that's us. That's us. All the treasures of God are in our warehouse. He wants to challenge you. Bring them out. Put them on your walls. Wear them. On your heart. This powerful prayer that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Walk worthy. Be fruitful. Increasing in the knowledge of God. That you may be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Because he delivered you from the power of darkness and into his marvelous light. Oh my goodness. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. By Jesus, all things that were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, they're all made by him. All things were created through him and for him. He's before all things. In him, all the fullness of God dwells. And God willed to make known this great mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to close with that one. I'd like to go through them all, but that's where you'll go, be going. Read them before the end of the day and start your book before the end of the day. But this great treasure, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
some years ago, uh, there was kind of a fad, and it was a fun fad, and we had bracelets that said, uh, what would Jesus do, right? Remember, anybody have that bracelet? I, I, I liked it. I liked it. Um, but here's the, here's the thing. What would Christ do? And uh, when you're thinking, sometimes, you know what? We, we don't know what he would do. You know, I think about that moment he came across a blind man that wanted to be uh, see, and so he spit into some dirt and put spit mud on this guy's eyes, and, and then it worked. I mean, I just wouldn't think of that. And then if I did it, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you know, that really didn't calm the whole road. I mean, he walked on water. He, he calmed storms. What would Jesus do? We need Christ living in us and living and moving and prompting us by the Holy Spirit. That's the answer. I love that Jess Shepherd will be teaching that because to me, she's living proof. When I first met little Jess there, she was right here crying her eyes out. Crying her eyes out. She was a mess. She was a mess. And, um, but she knew the right place to go. And continues to go to the right place. Christ is on the throne of her life. She's living proof. And I can't wait till she gives that message. I can't wait till we discover these treasures. Lord, we just pray. God, that you would be magnified, that you would be glorified, that you would live big in us, for us, through us. And God, we want you to be on the throne because it's a good year to have a God year. And God, I pray that you would give us hunger. We would hunger and thirst for righteousness. We would hunger and thirst to dig in and drink in. We would be hungry to bond together. And God, we would be hungry to be living proof of your glory. Plow us up and plant deep seeds of fruitfulness in our lives. And we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.